Welcome to the official podcast of the Hoffeld Group. Your host is the CEO and Chief Sales Trainer of the Hoffeld Group, David Hoffeld. Welcome to the Science of Selling Podcast, the place where you get real sales insights that are backed by hard science. I'm your host, David Huffeld, and today we are going to talk about common sales myths. These are myths that are prevalent in the profession of selling. Many of them have been around for decades and decades, but they are alive and well, and they're extremely misleading and will often hinder sales performance. And so we are going to trample on many of these common myths that many in our profession still think are accurate representations of what good salesmanship looks like. So let's dive in to myth number one, which is the idea that having any sales methodology is good. Now, hopefully that sounds silly to you. I know we have some pretty astute listeners out there that uh, hopefully a lot of your red flags go up, that all methodologies in sales are not equal. In fact, I would say this, everyone has a sales methodology, meaning if you look at any salesperson and you see how they sell consistently, they follow a methodology. Now, they might not have defined it, but anytime I work with any salesperson ever, whether their company has a defined methodology or not, that salesperson does certain things in a certain sequence, and they choose certain behaviors and activities, essentially a, a methodology. But this idea is what's important is that our organization or our sales team, that we have a methodology. That's good. You need a methodology. But what matters is, is it the right methodology? All methodologies are not equal. There are some horrendous sales methodologies out there. I mean, they are so bad. All sales methodologies are equal and that if you have one, that's good enough. Absolutely not true. You can offer radically improve your sales by embracing a more accurate sales methodology. What do I mean by that? Here's how you can judge any sales methodology and predict how effective it'll be. The closer that methodology is aligned to how the brain forms a buying decision, the more effective it'll be. And the opposite is also true. The further away that methodology is from how our brains make a buying decision, the less effective it'll be. Because if we can align selling with buying, results always improve. Buyers love it. Sellers love it. Everyone wins. But when you look at a methodology, is it aligned with what science shows us is how our brains make a buying decision? If it is, follow it. It's going to lead you towards success. If it's not, throw it away like yesterday's newspaper. So that is common sales myth number one. Let's jump into number two, because this one, this is an oldie, but boy, it's still out there. And that is the idea, get them to say yes often so they forget how to say no. This I remember hearing when I first got into sales, and I just heard, heard a sales trainer say this, oh boy, it was last month. This is still around, and it's the idea that if I ask a number of questions that are questions where the buyer will naturally say yes, 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 that it helps me later on when I have to uh, get a commitment to 
uh, a major part of the sale or even going for the close, that they'll forget how to say no. In fact, if you look at the sales books from 20, 30 years ago, this is a common theme in them. And again, if this sounds a little bit crazy, and that's because it is, there is absolutely no research that shows that if you can get someone to say yes often, they will forget how to say no. So asking them simplistic questions that require a yes answer doesn't help you later down the road. Uh, that they're more likely to say yes later on because they've said yes four times in a row. Again, that is ridiculous. Zero research supports that. And uh, it's just a silly thing. So you want to avoid that and avoid people that espouse it because it's uh, absolutely ridiculous. Let's move on. Common sales myth number three. Oh, buckle your, your seatbelts. Here we go. And it is close early, close often. Close early, close often. Let me welcome you to 1973 as we journey back in time. But this sales idea was not only prevalent back then, it's still out there. Yeah, people are still saying close early, close often. The idea here is I want to continue to try to close that sale as often as possible, meaning if I can close right at the beginning, I will. And I'll keep asking for it. And then if you're not ready, then I'll continue to talk. Now, if this isn't the caricature of the stereotypical salesmen from decades past that all of us want to move further and further away from and never want to be, I don't know what is. Close early and close often is not effective. And if you ever had anyone do this to you, if you've ever been treated like that by a salesperson where you're trying to learn about a product or service and they keep going in for the close and you're like, no, I'm not ready. Not only does it erode all credibility, but there's no empathy at all in that or perspective. It's no, help me make a buying decision I feel good about. Instead, they share information and then pounce and pounce and pounce. And none of us want to be treated like that. Now, better way to think about this than close early and close often is to focus on incremental commitments. Now, this is what science says matters a lot. I mean, I'm not trying to close the sale uh, often because I don't want to ask them to buy until they're ready, but I want to guide them through those incremental commitments that we refer to as the six whys that represent the mental steps our buyers go through when forming a buying decision. And when you can focus on those and guide people in committing to that, it naturally leads them into that bigger commitment of the positive buying decision. So we want to throw out that old sales idea, so antiquated and so horrible. It doesn't work in the real world. Close early, close often. Let's get into common sales myth number four. Ooh, this is an oldie but a goodie too. This one's probably even more prevalent than the last few, and that is objections are buying signals. Objections are buying signals. Boy, this was common. I mean, really common, even a decade ago. I remember back in 2010, I did a little study of the sales literature at that time, the most popular sales books and what they say about objections. And I was just amazed at how they almost universally agreed with this idea. Objections are buying signals. Here's how one sales trainer put it in a very popular book. And I quote, Objections are good. They are essential to the selling process. There are no sales without them. Objections indicate interest, he writes. 
successful sales seem to have twice as many objections as unsuccessful sales. Objections also tell you how well you are doing in the sales process. If that sounds insane to you, I mean, if you've been in sales for more than, I don't know, 12 minutes, you know this is not accurate. But uh, this is what many of the most common sales trainings from a decade ago, and even today, this uh, this idea is still out there where a sales trainer is right, and I'll, I'll quote another one here, a different trainer, an objection is a statement by potential clients that they want to know more. Have, have you sold anything ever? What is an objection? When a buyer tells you an objection, an objection by definition is, I'm not going to buy, and here's why. It's the reason why I'm not moving forward. I'm objecting to the sale. Now, this is pretty much common sense, but there's a lot of science behind this too. Um, we've talked about this. When you look at the science, what does science show objections are? They're a breakdown in the buying decision process. Right? We talked about those six whys a moment ago. When one of those is not committed to, when a buyer refuses to commit to one of those whys, the decision-making process breaks down and objection is produced. In fact, early in my career, one of the ways that I remember testing the six whys early on was I would work with salespeople, sales teams, all different kinds of sales environments, and I could tie every objection they ever faced to one of the six whys, showing that objections conclusively are a breakdown in the decision-making process. They are not good. Now, you might say, well, David, why do sales trainers say that? Here's why. Here, I'll, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit and tell you the idea is sales trainers will say that, well, if we tell them that objections are bad when people hear them, they'll shrink back. They'll, they'll realize what's really going on. I want to say professional salespeople, just like any skill, you can get good at handling objections, but lying to someone, telling them something is one thing when it's really not, I don't believe that's right. I think it's a matter of integrity. You always tell the truth. You don't lie to deceive people into acting in the way you want them to act. You tell them the truth, and then you train them how to act appropriately within that context of what is real, what is going on. And so objections are not good. And you already know that, right? If you're listening to this podcast, you know, objections are not good. I don't want more of them. I want to neutralize them before they're ever verbalized. And if I do hear an objection, I want to be able to get right to the source of it. Uh, objections are not buying signals. They're uh, evidence that the buying process has broken down, but there are things you and I can do to overcome objections, and there's lots of them too. But it's important to understand what we're dealing with so we can respond rightly. And so that's another sales myth. Let's go into common sales myth number five. Salespeople are born and not made. They're born and not made. Here's the reality. Everyone, when they come into sales, has certain abilities. A lot of people that are drawn into sales have the ability that others have said to them, oh, you'd be good at selling or you could sell things or they have decent presentation skills often. And they might have had these naturally or they might have acquired them from working on them or even mirroring someone they know early in their life, uncle, a father or a mother or an aunt or whoever that had those kind of abilities and they kind of mirrored them and learned them. So we all come in with certain 
no doubt, certain skills and abilities, all of us do, some more than others. Now, there are certain personality types, there are certain skill levels that are more conducive to being in sales, but with hard work, anyone can become good at selling. Now, that said, some people walk in and they have a lot more work to do than others. Some salespeople I've trained, they come into sales and they're able to get pretty good pretty quickly. Others have a long list of things they need to work on. For example, presentation skills. Someone that has weak communication skills, you can train that, you can learn that, but that takes a bit of time. And so that's going to take a while of really getting good instruction and learning to improve in those areas. Whereas someone that walks into the profession with that, that's less they have to work on. So are salespeople born or made? Great salespeople are always made. In fact, it's almost impossible to become a great salesperson. I mean, get to an elite level. Those people are made because that's hard to do. And so you have to get great training, put a lot of hard work in. Only then can you make yourself into the kind of salesperson who can have that high level of performance. So great salespeople are made. Common sales myth number six, experience equals competence. This is a big misconception in sales. Now, I have trained amazing salespeople who have 20, 30 years of experience, and they are awesome. And I have also trained salespeople who were horrendous, who had 20 and 30 years of experience. So experience doesn't equal competence. It might, they might be comfortable, they might be good at doing something very bad, right? They might be horrible salespeople and they're really good at being really bad, like they've trained their brain. Those neural pathways are so well developed, but their behaviors do not help them become a top performer. They struggle, but they've been doing those same behaviors and been allowed to do them in the profession for decades now. So experience does not equal competence. In fact, I remember just a very short time ago, I was asked to give uh, evaluate a sales trainer who was just brought into an organization and had decades of experience and not good at all. I was alarmed and amazed at how weak this person was on basic sales knowledge and skills and very simplistic way of looking at the the sales that would set him up for struggling to train people and get them to a high level. And the company said, well, he's very experienced. I mean, he's been doing this for a long period of time, but not in the high level and not well. So experience doesn't always equal competence. And the final one we'll talk about common sales myth is selling is an art and a science. Oh, this used to rile me up. Back in the day when I first got started in uh, uncovering the science behind selling and reading these academic journals, I think even on our website, huffogroup.com, there's an article where I address this topic that I think is probably seven, eight years old at least. In it, I kind of make the case that selling is now a science because back when I wrote the article, I remember looking at what the common idea in sales was, and almost everyone said it's both. Some people would say it's 50-50, others would say it's 60-40, others would go, no, you're all wrong, it's 70-30, 80-20, whatever. They were all just guessing. No one had any data to back any of this up. So my position and the position of all the evidence, there is so much scientific research out today 
serious scientific research. So I'm not talking about uh, a sales leader or a sales trainer saying, you know, raise your hand if you think this. Okay, that looks like 83%. No, I'm not talking about any of that nonsense. I mean, real science that you can read, objective, verifiable science. There is so much out there that today we can base selling on science. Now, there is an art in applying it to different sales contexts, to be sure, but the idea is we can base it on science. Usually in the past, when sales leaders and trainers talk about sales science, they mean sequential. You know, you do certain things in a certain order, or a big thing is, you know, how many calls does it take to get a, a qualified prospect? Well, then what if we made more calls, we could get more prospects, right? That's sales science, am I right? Not really. No, that's that's very simplistic way of looking at it. When we're talking about the science is the behaviors that are going to help us guide someone through that buying process. How does that buying process occur? How does our brain perceive value? How do we disclose information? Right? How do we engage someone? How do we capture someone's attention? There is a wealth of science that we can leverage in every area of the sale that we can look at and predictably say that these behaviors are going to help us be more effective. So is sales an art or a science? Today, I can say definitively, based on thousands and thousands of scientific studies across disciplines like social psychology, communication theory, cognitive psychology, social neuroscience, cognitive neuroscience, behavioral economics, that sales can be based on science. So don't let anyone drag you into these silly games. Is it an art or a science? I think it's 50-50. Oh, no, I think it's 60-40. Not me. I think it's 25-75. You know, welcome to 2021. Today we know it can be based on science. We have covered seven common sales myths. I hope you had as much fun as I did. I was getting a little wound up there. Thank you so much for your time today as we tackle these common sales myths. Keep listening to this podcast. We have some really exciting topics coming up that are going to help you become more effective and apply science in the way you sell. So until next time, I'm David Huffeld. Now it's your turn. Get out there and sell something.